of Sean and Ed's Do Baseball. I'm Sean. And I'm Ed's. And we're doing baseball. We are. Uh, we are bi-weekly baseball history podcast. Where one person tells the other a story from baseball history. That's right. That's right. It's a pretty uh, simple breakdown. It is. It is. Uh, the other not knowing what they're about to hear. Yeah, uh, if uh, you listen to our last episode, Ed's told me the very... It was a bit, uh, was a bit long-winded. I'll very, admit. Yeah, but uh, but well a lot worth to it. Excuse me. Well worth your listen. Well worth your listen about the uh, the career and uh, and death of uh, Lyman uh, Bostock. Bostock. Amazing, amazing episode. Hadn't heard that story before. Uh, yeah, it was it was some good. So uh, we're uh, coming to you from the studio in Alliston, Ontario. Mm-hmm. Follow us on the Twitter at Doing Baseball and the Instagram at doing dot baseball where we've got to start it up again on the daily baseball history content uh trying to bring you some facts every day in our, in our posts and uh through the stories we're sharing just other interesting stuff from baseball history that uh we think you guys might want to check out so uh definitely check it out definitely you'll you'll catch a few stories in there that, that we'll definitely be covering in the future and uh Oh, you can always uh, tweet us or Instagram us if you if you got a story that you think we should. Uh, yeah, we, should yeah, we cover. love interaction. Love it. Yeah, love it. Uh, so today, I, Sean, have a story for you. Are you gonna start it right away? You're gonna mention that uh, we're gonna thank people for listening around Christmas time. It is Christmas time, and we got a little uh, bit of a Christmas uh, Christmas treat at the end. Uh, 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 it's a season of giving, so. Uh, so uh, at the end of this episode, I'll be I'll be giving uh, Edzy here uh, his Christmas gift. So uh, just tune in, tune into oh. that. Uh, happy holidays, know. no matter what you're. Uh, it's exciting. Where you are, what you do, what you celebrate. Uh, hopefully, you uh, are able to uh, relax and and have a few days off around this time of year. And uh, and thank you for joining us. Thank you. You ready, Edzy? I'm ready. So uh, I started working on. A story about a month ago, and I was really excited for it. And it's a really nice story of perseverance and 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 you know achievement. Okay. And it was great. And I was working <laughs> on that, and then I but... found out about this fucked up story oh. from the eighteen nineties slash nineteen hundred. Another one. Another one. I, I don't think we do as many as you think we do. It's true. It just... But uh, those are the those are the buttes. And and oh my goodness. Well, I'll, I'm still working away on the other story. But but this one kind of uh, jumped the line. I had to share this one. I don't know how I heard hadn't heard this before. But my God, uh, you're in for it. And okay. you know what? It's gonna start off. It's it's pretty chill. It's a pretty chill story until right. it's not. Okay. So uh, <laughs> it falls off a cliff at yeah, some point. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's get into it. Let's get into it. So uh, Charles Sylvester Stahl was born. I thought you were gonna say Charles Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> <laughs> no, Charles Sylvester Stahl was born January tenth. 1873 in Avila, Indiana. So many of our stories happen around yeah. Indiana. 
the sixth child of Reuben and Barbara Stahl. Okay. His father worked uh, as a peddler before moving the family to Fort Wayne, Indiana. What's in, a peddler? I don't know. It's a job in the 1870s. Like a bike? I, I think he's like a like a, a a market, like a like a moving market. I don't right. know. I could look this For up. For the record, I know he's not riding a bike. I understand. <laughs> Um, so <laughs> he was working as a carpenter, regardless of what, I don't even know. It doesn't okay. matter what his parents do. They have nothing okay. to do with this story. Except you would guess that being the sixth child put him as one of the youngest in his family. But let's just say his family was very Catholic. Uh-oh. And in fact, he was one of the oldest children in his family. Oldest? He had 23 siblings. <laughs> 23 siblings. 18 boys so, and 6 girls in the family. Wow. Poor Barbara. Yeah. Poor old Barbara. Jesus. Like, Will 7 be enough, Bob? <laughs> George Carlin. Yeah. Just, no, like you're, you're in the top quarter of children and you were the 6th. <laughs> the top quarter. Oh my god. Um, okay, hold on. A peddler is a specific type of salesperson, someone who travels from town to town selling their wares. Okay, so he's, he's, he's a traveling traveling. salesman. Yeah, okay, he's a traveling salesman. He's okay. a peddler. Yeah. Uh, uh, while, <laughs> while a kid uh, with all those uh, two teams worth of brothers and sisters, <laughs> uh, Stahl developed his baseball skills on abandoned lots in Fort Wayne. <laughs> he was a left-handed pitcher and an outfielder, and he was a good one at that. He started playing for a local amateur team in 1889 and as a teenager pitched for Pilsner in the City League. From 1889 to 1894, he would play for nearly half a dozen semi-pro teams across the Midwest, including Paducah, uh, Paducah, Kentucky, Decatur, Decatur, Illinois, and Kalamazoo, as well as Battle Creek, Michigan. His father He went through a lot of towns with some weird-ass names. Yes, absolutely. The Midwest, people. Uh, His father (laughs) wanted him to follow in his footsteps and be a carpenter at the the family-run store he had opened. I'm assuming it was like a a carpentry and like... Mm -hmm. Like a hardware store or whatever. I I, I love that his father's like, you're the one that needs to follow it. Not the other 18 boys. (laughs) You, the one that's good at baseball? (laughs) The one that's good at something else? (laughs) Give that up. (laughs) We're going to build the bats. (laughs) Uh, So uh, uh, Charles had other plans though He said I took inventory of the soft soap sale And output of pickles to our customers And couldn't figure out how to turn out the revenue In the grocery business That came to me in baseball So I guess it was more of a grocery store All around store that his father Like a general store or whatever Uh, In 1895 Stahl signed with Roanoke of the Virginia League This Mm -hmm. This is where his time as a full pro outfielder began. So he's no longer a pitcher. He's just an outfielder. Okay. He 1895, had, you said? 1895. He okay. excelled right away, playing great defense. He hit 311 that year. His speed was an asset in the field and on the base pass as he led the league with 13 triples. Hmm. Buffalo of the Eastern League came calling and drafted Stahl after 19, er, 1895. In 1896, he would only get better for Buffalo batting 340 with 52 extra base hits. Uh, he led the Eastern League nice. with 23 triples. Stahl's bat and defense were attracting all the right attention. No kidding. Yeah. 
23 triples. Triples, man. Yeah, well, I mean, there's not a lot of home runs at this time, right? No, I know. Because their defenses are really deep, but yeah. yeah, Like a guy uh, with 23 triples, that guy's high on my fantasy list. Oh, God, yeah. You know? Uh, So (laughs) the Boston Bean Eaters of the National League had noticed his play. Well, at least the Boston Bean Eaters star third baseman, Jimmy Collins, had. Jimmy Collins Mm -hmm. was a Buffalo resident and a Bison alumni. Collins told manager Frank Seeley to draft stall. Seeley took his word, and just like that, Stahl was playing in the National League. Uh, this okay. was the first time, but it would not be the last time Collins would affect Stahl's career path. The two would grow very close over the years and became very good friends, as, you, as you'll hear as we go. Okay. Seeley wasn't exactly sure where to play Stahl uh, at first when he came to the big leagues. Uh, he began the year mainly on the bench as a utility player, but like any star baseball player, his skills shone through during his limited playing time, and the matter was settled uh, in a short period. The team was shuffled around, and now you could pencil Stahl in as the Bean Eaters' starting right fielder. Stahl hit the ground running in, nice. the, in the National League in 1897, and in 114 games, he collected 166 hits, 77, or 47, sorry, of which were for extra bases. He set a franchise rookie record with a 354 batting average Fuck. And, and led the league uh, or led the team, sorry, in slugging percentage and OPS. Superstar. Yeah. His bat was great, and he is generally regarded as the best fielding. Or he was generally regarded as the best fielding find of the year. Mm-hmm. So everyone's like, like he was like hitting, yep. but everyone was enamored at his defense. Right. So they kept talking about his 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 defense. So he's like a five tool guy. Oh God, yeah. Yeah. He was seen as a heart and soul type player, enthusiastic yet reserved. With a very great personality and lots of laughing. Salt of the earth. Yeah. Ex- excelling at every aspect of the game. He was given the name Chick and the Husky Hoosier. Or the Husky Hoosier. Oh, I wrote yeah, the words. He's from yeah, Indiana. He's from Indiana, which was a little bit odd, though. He was 5'10 and 160 pounds. 5'10 and So he's I not mean, Husky. He's, I, that's what I mean. Like, he's that's not, not he's Husky. tall and skinny. I mean, 5'10", yeah, but like 160, if it was like 5'10", 180, like, yeah, he's a husky. That's like one inch taller than me. Yeah, exactly. He's not He's not husky at all. I no. don't get it. The, the players back I mean, like me, but very t- a bit taller. Yeah. Yeah. Am I husky? You're not husky. Okay. You're beautiful. Oh, thanks, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> In those last few years of the 19th century... Uh, the Bean Eaters had one of the best outfields in baseball history, with Stahl in right field alongside Hall of Famers Billy Hamilton and Hugh Duffy fielding mm. the, the, the other two positions. Uh, the team was stacked, including catcher Marty Bergen, yep. who you know from yes, Episode know. 9. Poor Marty. Uh, yeah, poor Marty. Uh, they showed, and they showed it on the field. At one point in 1897, they won 17 straight games. With just six games left, and a half-game lead in the pennant race, the Bean Eaters took two out of three from the Baltimore Orioles, who had sat just a half-game back to start the series. Uh, when they took the next series, okay. or two out of three from the next series against the Brooklyn Bridegrooms, they clinched the pennant. Nice. Uh, Stull uh, may have been the perfect final addition to push Boston over the edge into winning the pennant. 
1898, the Bean Eaters won another pennant. This time, it was very clearly uh, their, their pitching was great, too. Uh, so they were led by Kid Nichols, starting pitcher, mm-hmm. who pitched 368 innings to an ERA of 2.64 and 30 wins. So very, very good. Uh, Stahl had a bit of a sophomore slump with the bat, but he still hit 308, but his OPS dropped about 100 points. So he was still hitting for average, but his uh, his uh, doubles and triples uh, kind of fell off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at this time, mm-hmm. too, home runs, like, I don't even include his home run. I think it's, like, most, like, was, like, eight or nine. You yeah. Know? It's yeah. Uh, around this time, you know, if you had five, yeah. if you were a power hitter. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, I think, like, Babe Ruth hit, like, 19 one year, and it was like astounding yes uh so the drop off from his bat didn't matter though because his defense was superb he was getting noticed for being a complete player playing tenacious d uh one washington post reporter wrote this sentence has two words i had to look up (laughs) the the soubrette fancier from fort wayne retrieved tommy lay's fly in the eighth with the speed and celerity of a hound retrieving a jack jack rabbit. <laughs> All right. So a soubrette is like a a a, a romantic, very uh, outgoing, energetic uh, character from opera. Yeah. And uh, I still don't know what celerity cel- celerity. <laughs> I, I looked. I can't up. remember I the can't context remember of the sentence. Uh, his bat <laughs> bounced back in 1899. It was easily the best year. Uh, if you were looking at his career through modern analytics, his slugging percentage was back up and he got on base at a 426 clip. So on base of 426. Wow. He's set career highs with seven home runs. Yeah, so, and triples with 19. So, 19. Yeah, most, I mean, obviously in Buffalo, he had hanging around 20 but, all the yeah, time. Yeah, no, he was great. Most impressive of all, he struck out 10 times. In 661 plate appearances. That's crazy. Yeah. I was like hyping up Bostock yeah, with like, yeah. what, 47 and 470 yeah. at-bats or something. I mean, it was a different time, but still impressive. That was the, the his best of his career. He had a 6-for-6 six six game where apparently he hit five very long drives. Very long drives. How long were they? Well, they Very. Very. Hit them well. <laughs> Unfortunately, the Bean Eaters dropped to second and would fall even further in 1900, finishing in fourth. 1900 would be Stahl's final year with the Bean Eaters, but not his last year in Boston. Jimmy Collins, Stahl's good friend and the man who had brought him to Boston from Buffalo, signed with the Boston Americans of the upstart American American League League to be player manager. So they, they got Stahl to be the manager, or Collins is Collins the manager? Collins is the okay. player manager. Collins right. is a little bit older. Yeah, yeah. He was a bigger yeah. star, right. bigger star throughout the 1890s. Right. Um, so Collins was a Roman Catholic, and as we can tell by Stahl's parents, he was as well. He was also a Roman Catholic. Yeah. So apparently Collins began targeting other Catholic players, which is a little bit weird. Apparently the jerseys they, are going to be green, and only green. <laughs> apparently there was some... Get rid of those orange socks. <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't find too much on it, but apparently there was a little bit of animosity between the Protestants and the Catholics of the of the Bean Eaters Clubhouse, which may have uh, led to Collins's leaving. Yeah. 
So, yeah. Uh, yeah. You're like, yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> That's the fun part about this is we both research different parts of baseball history so yeah. much that when we tell each other something, it's just like, oh, yeah, trust me, I've read about that. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh, Stahl was a devout Catholic and joined his friend in the American League for the 1901 season, where he moved to center field and continued to put up strong numbers, hitting 303 in his first year uh, uh, with a 818 OPS which was good for a 126 OPS plus back then. So if you don't know OPS plus, OPS plus is uh, is averaging out. So 100 is the most average. So he was 26% better in OPS mm-hmm. than anybody else in the league. So an yeah. 818 OPS is probably around average, a little bit higher than average now. Right. But back right. then, that's huge. Yeah. yeah. Right. So in August of that year, uh, during a home game in Boston, Stahl and Parson Lewis rescued umpire... Joe Cantillon and escorted him off the field after a mob of fans rushed the umpire and a began and began assaulting him with after, guns. I don't Maybe think there was guns, but uh, they, they were assaulting him after a close call. Yeah, and Stahl and uh, Parson Lewis uh, jumped in and, and saved the man uh, from at least some harm. Well, that's that's good. <laughs> that is good. <clears throat> I mean, it's just a bad call. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Storm exactly. the field. Exactly. <laughs> so in uh, January 26th of uh, 1902, Stahl was home in Fort Wayne, Indiana. He often spent the, the time at home and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, he was walking with a friend uh, who I believe, though I couldn't confirm, was a, a young woman. Uh, when a young woman by the name of Louise Lulu Ortman approached him and drawing a gun, and drew a gun. Oh. The police had been tipped off that she was furious and what? stalking Stahl with a gun. An officer arrived... So where were they? An officer arrived at that exact no, moment. No, he didn't. Yes, he did. <laughs> that makes no sense. He disarmed uh, Lulu Ortman uh, before she could fire a shot and placed her under arrest. Wow, he really was there at just the right time. Just the right time. <laughs> <laughs> what you doing there? Shooting him? Oh, no, Jean, you're not. Jean Parmesan, police. Yeah. Uh, how often does an arrested development no, reference like that ever, get made? Yeah. Gene Parmesan. If you haven't seen Arrested Development, watch well, the first three seasons. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyways, uh, although Stahl was a devout Catholic, apparently he had a re- reputation for being quite promiscuous and a bit of a bachelor uh, with the ladies. So Ortman clearly was a, she was a jilted lover mm-hmm. and uh, was upset and wanted revenge. Uh, Stahl dropped all charges against her and didn't address the public or address the incident publicly. I understand. I'm a great man. Well, I mean, I think <laughs> the other implication is that, yeah, he was, he, he was, he was hooking up with her and yeah. he was just he like, was ah, like, she was, I was fucking around with other people. Like, geez, it's all right. She didn't yeah. kill me. So, uh, we're Let's good. not worry about it. Yeah. 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 Let's yeah. sweep that under the rug. So he went about his business. Might want to have a third family someday. <laughs> Right, Arthur? (laughs) (laughs) He went about his business hitting uh, 323 in 1902 with just 19 strikeouts in uh, over 500 at-bats. The Americans were good, but had finished in second in their inaugural season and finished third in 1902. But in 1903, 
They turned into absolute fucking world beaters. Okay. They were good. <laughs> they were so good. Stahl got hurt early in the year, suffering a leg injury that limited him to just 77 games that year, and seeing his, pl- his numbers plummet to just mediocre. Mm-hmm. Uh, the team sat at 15-15 and 15 after a loss to the White Sox on May 27th, but they would get lightning hot going 76 and 32 the rest of the year. Holy shit. Yeah. So that's way better. That's like almost a 700 winning percentage for yeah. over 100 games. Yeah. Uh amazing. So That's crazy. They walked away with the pennant mainly to do with a pitching staff of Cy Young, Bill Deneen, Tom Hughes, Norwood Gibson, and George Winter. All of which combined to throw over 1,200 innings with an ERA around 2.5. I was going to like comment after you listed all of those names and was like, that's a stacked rotation. That is so stacked. <laughs> so, yeah, 1,200 innings to a 2.50 ERA for the pitching staff. Like, just mm-hmm. amazing. Obviously, they led the league in ERA, they led the league in wins, and they led the league in shutouts. Um, the Americans. No doubt. The Americans. Ooh, excuse me. Ooh. The Americans had easily won the pennant and faced uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates in the 1903 World Series. Pittsburgh took a 3-1 to lead uh, early in the series uh, before Boston turned it around and swept the last four games of the best-of-eight series to win it 5-3. to uh-huh. Stahl hit over 300 in the series, uh, including three triples. The most important... Uh, driving in his friend Collins in the first inning of the crucial Game 7 with the series nodded at 3. Stahl returned to health and to form in 1904 and hit 19 triples, 27 doubles for the victorious Americans. Uh, Cy Young pitched a perfect game in May of that year and Stahl made a beautiful catch, snagging a sinking line drive around his knees after a long run from center field. Mm. Uh, The Americans won the pennant but as we have heard in previous episodes... John McGraw was a dick and was like, we're not playing them. <laughs> yeah, all right. Um, just, uh, yeah, there's a feud between Van Johnson and John McGraw. No, uh, no World Series for, for you in uh, 1904. This was an exciting end to the season, though, as this was the first time in history that Boston and New York would battle for the pennant. Mm-hmm. Oh. The New York Highlanders, later known as the Yankees... Ooh. We're only one and a half games back, <laughs> heading into the final game, five games of the season, all against the Boston Americans, oh, who would later become series. the Red, the Red Sox. Sox. So the Americans dropped the first game before winning the next two to win the American League title in front of the home crowd. The final two games in New York were just a formality. Star went or Stall Stall went four for ten in the clinching series. Uh-huh. Uh, really, really. Really good, as I say. So they they won it at home. If they had lost one more, if they will, you know, if they had if they had lost that series or whatever, they, the Yankees had a chance. Yeah, and they did it. So it was still exciting. That was kind of their mini World Series that year. In 1905, Stahl's numbers dipped along with the rest of the aging Boston Americans, and they finished fourth in the league, still putting up a winning record of 78 and 74, mm. despite a 1.28 ERA. Over 320 innings plus, Cy Young finished with a record, a losing record, yeah. of 18 and 19. What? A 
two ERA. I was gonna three hundred and twenty innings, and he lost more games than he won. Like that is the Jacob Degrom stat. That makes that no era. sense to my brain. It like, doesn't. So clearly, hitting and defense were the issue. Yeah. Yeah. So big uh, time. Yeah. Stall like losing a, game, like every game, one nothing. Yeah. So Stahl only had 21 extra base hits in 500 at-bats. Mm-hmm. Uh, so way low. You know, he was up in like the 50s or close to the 50s before. At least, you know, he would, you know, he'd get, he'd almost had 21 triples most years, let yeah, alone yeah. extra base hits in general. Uh, Collins had hounded the ownership to get him some better young stars, but his request wasn't listened to by new owner John Taylor. Things got much worse for the Americans in 1906. The team would win just 49 games, losing an embarrassing 105. Ooh, yeah. Stahl bounced Ouch. back slightly, hitting 286 with 34 extra base hits. This was the one this was one of the few times in his career that he was on a losing team. As you can tell, like he'd been on mm-hmm. you know, teams finishing, mm-hmm. you know, second, third, yeah. first most of the time. Yeah. His defense was still stellar though, as he led the American League outfielders in putouts and double plays. In what would be his last year playing baseball? 1907 or 6? Uh, 1906. 06. Okay. So the Americans lost 20 straight games in May of that year. Mm. Uh, and from then the on. Anti A's. Yeah. From then on, they sat in last place. Collins, who had been feuding with ownership, as I just mentioned, uh, and trying to work his way into an executive and ownership role in the league, was suspended for neglecting his duties after several absences without cause. Which is kind of fucked, especially if you're a player manager. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Where's the manager? I don't know. Where's the third baseman? Same guy! Same guy. (laughs) Also don't know. (laughs) Um, So, Stahl took over as manager for the last 40 games of the season. Which was very strange, considering he had once proclaimed that managing was not for me, uh, and I quote, was not for me, life is too short, let someone else do the worrying. So he didn't seem like... Seems like he would, like, reluctantly would have been yeah. put in that position. Well, it's his friend, so I mean, I, yeah, I, I feel so. like he, like, felt it was his duty. Right. So it was a low point Makes for sense. the cr- club that reached a boiling point when... Hobie Ferris assaulted Jack Hayden on the field for his lackadaisical play. Uh, A la Roger Dorn. Yeah, exactly. uh, The team went 16 and 24 over uh, Stahl's tenure as manager. Uh, The team was given the moniker the Championship Tailenders as they were clearly fading from their championship right, era. Right. So that's a weird... Just, that is a weird yeah. way to describe them. But yeah, so it's, he, he managed, he took over for his friend, and it was a shitty time. People were mad. The team was frustrated. I mean, they did perform better than, than their record. You know, they, they were worse than 16 and 24 yeah, uh, before yeah. him. But, but still, like, I mean, that's some shitty shit to go through, especially having players fight in public. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it was, Total lost control of the team. Yeah. Unfortunately, this dreadful year was the last of Stahl's career. In what ended up being Stahl's last at-bat in the major leagues, he hit a home run off Tom Hughes of the New York Highlanders in front of 3,100 fans in Boston. There you go. Stahl was named manager of the Boston Americans in the offseason by John Taylor, the owner. Okay. Uh, Stahl was given the blessing... Uh, from his friend Collins, who uh, before accepting the gig, hmm. 
Uh, so Stahl is still going to be a player. Uh, he's a player manager, uh, but he really was just like, I don't know, like, I don't want to, and, like, I feel bad taking over for, for my friend. Yeah, and his uh, buddy was like, don't worry about it. Yeah, Go ahead so it took it. quite you're, a bit of persuasion, good. and many contests, Stahl felt guilty replacing his friend, who he now had to manage just like any other player. Oh, so his friend... Collins wait, so his friend on... was a player manager, too? Yeah, oh, that's okay. what I said, the third baseman. Oh, I do, uh, yeah. sorry, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so, so... But Collins is still the third baseman. Right. And, so and now... <laughs> okay. Yeah, that is a little awkward. Yeah, it's awkward. <laughs> um, on November 14th of 1906, Stahl married Julia Harmon in Boston. They had met at a church function, and they honeymooned uh, over the winter in Arkansas, as well as going to Buffalo to visit uh, and stay with Collins and his wife. On the honeymoon. Yeah. So they're like, we're going to Arkansas for the honeymoon. It'll be great. There's, and then we're going to go to Buffalo. In the middle of winter. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible idea. Yeah. But they, you know, he's seeing his friend. They're clearly right. very close friends, right? right. Yeah. So they, uh, in March of that year, uh, the Americans came together in Little Rock, Arkansas for spring training. And it was apparent that Stahl's new position was not working out. On March 25th, out of the blue... Stahl resigned as manager. He explained his decision, saying, This handling of base of a baseball team both on and off the field is not what it is cracked up to be. Releasing players grated on my nerves, and they came and they come so frequently at this time of the year that it made me sick at heart. So So he's he's not into it. He's never he's, been into it. He's never been into no. it. Stahl did agree to stay on as acting manager until a replacement could be found. On what March, about the third baseman? Well, he's, he got fired for not showing up to games. Oh, so he was brokenhearted? Who's brokenhearted? Collins. Stahl's brokenhearted. Yeah. And Collins is still the third baseman, but he's not allowed to manage anymore because he blew it. Well, uh, I guess so, yeah. But I'm just saying, he's like there, available. If... Yeah, but the owner doesn't like him, and it's just right, so yeah. he's just like, all right, fine, I'll let you go, Charles. But you gotta, right? You gotta, you know, you gotta do it until I find a suitable replacement. You agree? Like, he just like Stall's still on the team. Let him out of it. Stall's still the center fielder. Yeah, yeah. Like he's still on the team. I feel like it's not a good idea to have a player manager. Because it creates complications like this. Exactly. <laughs> so, Stahl did agree to stay on. Uh, on March 27th, the team arrived in West Baden Springs, Indiana, to play a game the following day. The next morning, March 28th, St uh, Stahl sent a telegram to his wife. Cheer up, little girl, and be happy. <laughs> it's a weird thing to say to your wife. Yeah. I am all right now and able to play the game of my life. So it sounds... So he's saying, like, I'm free from being a manager. Now I can just play the game as exactly. I want to. Okay. Exactly. So, it, so he's stoked? Yeah, he's, he's stoked. He <laughs> yeah, ate, you don't like your tone. He ate <laughs> breakfast with John Huey, uh, teammate John Huey. I think I'm saying that right. H-O-E-Y. Uh, at which he consumed only coffee. He then went to check on the condition of the field. He told his players the field was good to take for practice, and returned to the suite he shared with Jimmy Collins. Collins stall, saw Stahl go into the next room for a moment, then stumble back towards Collins and fall on the bed. Stahl had just drank four ounces of carbolic acid. What? Excuse me? 
<laughs> carbolic acid. On purpose? Carbolic acid, otherwise known as phenol, uh, that some say has had been prescribed to him for a foot injury, was commonly used as an antiseptic. Stahl was dying, slowly and painfully. Uh, <laughs> being eat, Being eaten away from the inside, causing excruciating oh pain. Oh my fucking god. The acid that can cause second and third degree burns on the skin was inside his body. Oh my god, man. It's yeah, you had to tell this story? <laughs> yeah. His friend uh, came to his aid, along with teammate Bob Unglue, uh, but of course there was nothing they could do. <sighs> Collins called for help, <sighs> but 15 minutes later, Stahl was dead. Uh... <laughs> There are a number of variations of Stahl's last words as I, he lay dying in Collins' arms. I wish people could see my face. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. All this stuff before this is, is meaningless. It fell off a cliff immediately. <laughs> you delivered what you promised. <laughs> um, oh, my God. So there are a number of variations of what Stahl's last words were to Collins. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's probably. It wasn't probably. One of which being, I couldn't help it. I did it. I did it, Jim. It was killing me, and I couldn't stand it. In another, Stahl simply says, Boys, I couldn't help it. It drove me to it. It drove me to it. What? Some accords say that he just kept repeating it over and over. It drove me to it. It drove me to it. Holy shit. Charles Chick Stahl was dead at the age of 34. Because his death was ruled a suicide, the Catholic Church refused to give him a Catholic burial. Oh, no. A service was held at his mother's house where his distraught mother and now newlywed widow consoled each other. Uh, Several teammates attended, but Collins was too distraught to attend. I mean, like, yeah. Wow. Just, yeah. 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 (laughs) Oh, God. Um, that was like such a surprise. I know, I know. But here's the thing. It might not have been that big of a surprise. So thousands oh. marched to the burial place, and Congressman James Robinson gave Stahl's eulogy. So he might not have got a Catholic send-off, but he still got a, a like big a send-off. state send-off. Yeah. yeah. Um, to this day, we don't have a concrete motive on why Stahl took his life in such a grisly manner. Frederick P. O'Connell, the baseball editor of the Boston Post, claimed to have known the reason and hinted at it being non-baseball related. But O'Connell would die developing an ammonia at Stahl's funeral and died three weeks later. Develop Oh, developing pneumonia. Yeah, it was okay. outside in Indiana in March. Right, so, right. you know, I guess he got it. I thought you said developing an ammonia. No, no. Developing. Like, what are these people all dying from making these chemicals? No, no, no. From, from a pneumonia. <laughs> right, pneumonia, yeah. Right. Um, John Snyder uh, from the Red Sox Journal asserted that Stahl's marriage was not a happy one due to his infidelity. As we know, he was a little mm-hmm, bit promiscuous. Mm-hmm. And gun, that he had been carrying lady. on a, an affair with Lulu Ortman for years. Mm. So he kept banging the crazy gun lady. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, Okay. In addition, Stahl... Not a deal breaker. Yeah. Odd. <laughs> in addition, they claimed that Stahl had impregnated another woman, a so-called baseball Sadie, a groupie, yeah, uh, yeah. in Chicago. Uh, 
and was threatening to reveal the entire love circle in order to get money, also claiming that she was pregnant with his child. The issue with these theories, though, is that there was never any evidence to back it up. But three baseball historians, uh, including Glenn Stout, Harold Seymour, and David Voigt, are all believers of the theory. Uh, It was a a blackmail from a lover that that caused the the suicide. Some speculated, though, that the pressure of managing and possibly having to release his friend Collins, who would be traded by the team by June, created an inner conflict in Stahl's mind and might have led to his abrupt resignation and suicide. Uh, it uh, did the a, resignation, maybe. Yeah, but like the, exactly. You know? Exactly. So, but here's the thing. It did appear that Stahl suffered from depression. On March 30th, 1907, two days after Stahl's death, an article in the Fort Wayne Gazette ran the headline, Meditated self-slaying. Chick Stahl had often talked about suicide. And... Baseball player had entertained dangerous ideas about self-destruction. Really? The article talked to close friends and found many of them were actually not surprised that Stahl had taken his own life and that he had been dealing with depression since 1889 and talked about killing himself. One person said, Ah, Chicks talked about killing himself several times. (laughs) Just... Holy fuck. Yeah. Um, Thank God times have changed a little bit. Exactly. Well, but here's the thing. I mean, a lot, but like... This doesn't end the speculation, though, because another article appeared the exact same day, uh, March 30th, 1907, by a syndicated newspaper uh, that related that David Murphy, an engineer in Fort Wayne, had committed suicide by swallowing carbolic acid. Stahl was described as an intimate friend of Murphy, and the latter had apparently left a note saying, bury me beside Chick. So. Suicide pact? Suicide pact or homosexual relation? Maybe. Who knows, right? Maybe. Uh, And he's a devout Catholic. Maybe, you know, it could have been some guilt that, that obviously this opens up the question of a relationship between the two. Uh, could that have been the possible non-baseball reason that mm-hmm. O'Connell mm-hmm. knew about? We will never know the real reason why Chick Stahl killed himself, seemingly so abruptly in the middle of a borderline Hall of Fame career, and without answers, stories get told and conspiracy theories can grow, as we've kind of outlined here. Yeah. Uh, to make the matters even we- weirder, on November 1st, 1908, Julia Stahl, his wife, uh, was found dead in the doorway of a tenant house in Boston. This death was seen what? by some as a bit suspicious, as Julia was dressed well in one of the poorest parts of Boston. Uh, there were no witnesses to her death, although there was four men that were questioned because they'd been drinking with her. Uh, and the death was ruled natural to exhaustion from drugs and alcohol. The coroner said it did not suspect foul play. Natural. Exactly. It's, oh, they just... It was an overdose. It was a natural overdose. Natural. <laughs> she, was, uh, she was drinking and doing drugs, and she died. Yep. Natural. Naturally. Um, some people <laughs> had speculated that the two may have been connected to whatever the it was that Stahl spoke of in his last words. So this it just... drove me to it. Yeah, it's just... So it was... Oh, that's haunting. Yeah, exactly. Um, so there's so many stories of of why he possibly did what he did right but i think 
And I believe, personally, and from researching it, there's a great article in the Hardball Times about this. Okay. Um, it's just... It's always... We always look for external reasons when someone kills themselves. Mm-hmm. Right? It's tragic... And we wanna we wanna say that that like oh there was an outside force right. that caused this right. to happen. Yeah. Uh, and in case of celebrity, these can easily be turned into tabloid press articles feeding conspiracy theories that are just founded on rumors. Uh-huh. The stories of affairs and jilted lovers can run wild, especially back then. Uh, although we know Dave Murphy was a friend and that Stahl had been quite promiscuous with a number of ladies throughout his career, there is no concrete evidence that supports either narrative. Uh In the end, the most likely reason Stahl did what he did was because he had been suffering silently with depression for a very long period of time, and there were plenty of signs of what was coming. Many people have stories of Stahl talking about death and suicide, and many talked about his serious downturns, uh, he'd have whenever he was discouraged. Five years prior, a childhood friend said, Chick said to the barber, if you would just put, push that blade in and cut my head about half off, I would feel, I would never feel it. And I'd be rid of all my troubles. A little That's, dark humor yeah. at the barber's office or barber's office, barbershop. Uh, some, some players I around. I wonder if the- that was like taken as a joke. <laughs> Yeah, like, that would be an awkward thing to say. Yeah, yeah. I just cut, just, just, just cut my head off and uh, just halfway. Yeah, halfway. just halfway, just halfway. Cut my head off, and all, all the pain and suffering that I feel in my life will be over. Uh, <laughs> yeah, everyone would laugh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> carry on, carry on. Some players around the league said that for more or for a year or more, Stahl had been seemingly dealing with off-field issues, and his jollity and loud, loud laughter uh, were often used as a mask for it. So earlier that spring, this is the the really telling one, earlier that spring, Stahl had contemplated another bottle of carbolic acid in front of pitcher Bill Deneen. I wonder, he he said, if that stuff would kill a man. Deneen said, yes. Yes, it will. It absolutely will kill a man. It will burn you from the inside out. Stahl said, then I have a good mind to take a drink of it. Jesus. Yeah. So, and no one was like, maybe let's do something about this. Oh, God. Yeah. It's uh, very tragic. He told That's me. That's just Chick messing around talking about killing himself again. <laughs> it's no big deal. This time he said he wants to drink acid. Isn't that funny? <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's crazy. You'll old never chick. do that. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Um, Stahl said to uh, uh, another friend, um, that he would have shot himself if it was not for his mother. So, yeah, really dark shit. And I was like, the fact that the tabloids really ran with these, these, mm-hmm. these baseball and the, the gay lover and the, yeah. the pregnant affair and all that stuff, just like, it's it was under their nose what was really yeah. happened, yeah. really. What happened to Stahl was tragic. He suffered alone until he could no longer and died a painful and lonely death, even in the company of one of his most loyal companions. He was a great ball player, a loyal friend, and a man who contributed to a lot of great teams. A World Series champion and a Boston legend who played on four pennant-winning teams for two different Boston clubs. He played over 1,300 games in his 10-year career, hitting 305, and was a true five-tool player, hitting for power and average, stealing bases, and playing defense with reckless abandonment. So I think, hmm. I, just looking, I, I might... I don't know why, but like in my mind, 
Bernie Williams. That that's who I think mm. of. Okay. Like a guy that good yeah, yeah, right yeah. fielder yep. and stuff that can play a little bit of center as well. Mm-hmm. That hit for average and a bit of power and stuff like that was kind of like one of those great players, but not a Hall of Fame. Yeah, yeah. You Hall know? of very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he only played 10 years. So, I mean, like if he put up another six, seven, eight years, yeah, you know. Probably is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's the thing. Um, wow. So it's tragic. Um, Cy Young said, it's mighty tough. It's mighty tough, boys. I never dreamed such a thing could happen. In fact, none of us imagined Stahl doing away with himself. It was, yes, you could. Um, players, you should have. You, you, you should have seen it. You should have seen it coming. Players may come and go, but there are a few chick stalls. Mm, yeah, well, that sounds like it. Charles Sylvester Stahl, otherwise known as Chick Stahl. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's crazy, man. That yeah. was you said that was gonna fall off a cliff, and like everything seemed to be going just fine. And then, like, did you like try to tell that story as a microcosm of like what those people were doing, like not seeing it coming? I and guess. Then, I mean, that's the thing you know, is it because that's what you did. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what most people is. It, it, I guess I, I didn't set it up specifically that way. Obviously, I wanted to outline his career, but that was the thing is, is it was such a shock mm-hmm. to people and, and the fact that nobody, you know, there's no note. Well, it's just like a brutal way of doing it, yeah. too. Like, my God, drinking acid? Yeah. It's, it's in front of your friends oh. and being like, they drove me to it. Like, oh. God, like those dudes must have been disturbed, too. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you know? that's, like, that's oh. trauma. Tra- and the, the, worst, the worst part, too, is, is I mean, there was other stories. There were stories of, like, copycat suicides at the time, too. Yeah. Because it was big news. Of right? course. Yeah, there was, like, some, they, like, they, banker in Boston that, like, drank a thing of carbolic and then, like, walked in and said, I just did the same as Chick Stahl. And everyone was like, what? And then he was, like, clearly dying. And everyone oh was like, oh, my God. God. Like, I can't oh. imagine what that looks like. I don't want to think I don't want to think about I mean, that mostly, either. it's probably mostly internal, but, like, Jesus, like, it's like, it's like a, yeah, there's no, there's no coming back from that. That's a, I was going to give you a present now. I feel like that's yeah, very yeah, inappropriate. Yeah, that is very inappropriate. <laughs> let's do that off the mics. Let's do, that, do off that off the mics. mics. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah, just, uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll let the memory of Chick Stall rest and, uh, <laughs> Everybody enjoy your holidays. Uh, I, I hope we. Uh, I mean, we didn't darken your holidays too much by that. Like, it, you uh, know. yeah, these last two episodes have been tough. Shit. Uh, but uh, but you know what? We we got more coming in the new year. We're literally looking forward to twenty twenty one. We're gonna have a lot of great stories. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Tell your friends. Give us a review. Yeah. All that jazz. Follow us on Twitter at doing baseball and Instagram at doing baseball. Like Sean said, follow Spotify. Apple Podcasts, and uh, until next time, I'm Sean. I'm Eds. And we were uh, doing some uh, fucked up 1900s baseball. Baseball. Okay, bye. Bye. (laughs)